overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs, making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost, all lost, yeah Ain't no turning back, we headed straight for the stars, yeah Oh yeah, we overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs, making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost, all lost, yeah Ain't no turning back, we headed straight for the stars, yeah Oh yeah Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity Podcast, where it's all about a transformational growth and having a resilient mindset. Before we get started to the show, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. I'm your host, Michael Allison. And today we have on the show a very unique man. He's had the opportunity to work in the financial industry for over 15 years. That includes working on Wall Street trading, insurance sales, and retirement planning. He has faced his own fair share of adversity in his life. Let's welcome to the show my good friend, Mr. Femi Adenusi. Hey, how are you? Hey, my brother, thank you for being here on the show with me, man. I appreciate it, bro. Oh, it's my pleasure. Man, uh, so like like I was telling you, man, before I uh, want, want to jump into this, I said, man, I, I've admired uh, your knowledge, your wisdom that you've uh, shared with me ever since we met back in Texas, man. And your uh, knowledge around the uh, financial space, the insurance space, the pharmaceutical space, I felt that it was important to have you on this platform where you could uh, share that knowledge to the masses and things like that. Cause I think there's so much information that a lot of people are missing out. I would say more so in particular, like people of color are missing out. And I think um, it would be a good opportunity to have you on this uh, stage here. We could share some of that information, man. So thank you for being here, bro. Man, I just want to really thank uh, you for the opportunity to be honest with you. Obviously, when we met out in Texas a couple of years ago, we we gelled, hit it off right away. I feed a lot off energy, and I felt a good vibe from you. Obviously, we've kept in touch since that time, and um, you've gone to do big things. Obviously, this podcast is helping a lot of people, and I appreciate you even reaching out to me to uh, to share a couple of nuggets that I've learned over these uh, ups and downs that we call life. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, this thing, uh, life, bro, uh, you know, I, we spoke about it comes with a lot of adversity, man. Um, I, I just want to talk about, though, as we get into it, obviously, you've, uh, you've accumulated so much success in your life, man. But I do, I do know your journey started somewhere, man. So if you can tell us, like, how did you get on this path and what was it like for you coming up, bro? I appreciate that. Um, basically, um, I grew up in Harlem. Um, my background is I have a Nigerian father and a West Indian mother. So, you know, I got the best beatings man can get. <laughs> We're going to start off with the jokes. All right, let's go. <laughs> there's, there's no question. So you you have a Nigerian father um, who came here to the States. He actually uh, settled in New York and finished up his Ph.D. So my father was basically a biology professor. Mm -hmm. Uh, my mother was uh, a medical assistant at Harlem Hospital. Um, if you know anything about New York, Columbia, where he finished up his PhD, is very close to Harlem Hospital. So they basically met, fell in love, got married, and then they made me. <laughs> so um, my roots are from Harlem, but I've lived various places. Um, so I went to school in Stony Brook um, out in Long Island, and I took up economics. Um, so I grew up in, you know, 80s, 90s. Harlem was nothing to play with. A uh, very dangerous area. Um, if you know about, you know, the drug element, Alpo, these are 
uh fat cat and all these type of guys like that these are famous drug dealers here in the new york area that basically had new york under siege because back then there was more criminals really than police force so basically to keep me very safe and things of that nature my mom used to send me away to summer camp things of that nature get me out of trouble keep me out of trouble for the most part and um thank goodness everything turned out all well well as well as could be could be because not to say that i was i went through unscathed so mm -hmm. i have a few friends that have committed suicide i had from friends that are never coming home from jail and i had a few friends that were obviously a victim of the drug game and the elements that that brings so long story short one of the things that really saved me to be honest with you is me going away to college mm -hmm. because environment is huge so now when if you're in a drug infested criminal type of aspect where everyone's doing the same thing you have to do something different so the biggest thing for me is most of my friends who stayed at community college here in new york they either got an associates or never graduated because the mm -hmm. distraction and the environment was too much to overcome does that make sense makes sense bro. so i was lucky enough one thing about me is because of that background nigerian father west indian mother where the you know the father come home oh you want to act up at school <laughs> you want to act up oh it's too easy for you huh so i'll give you something hard take these lickings so that between that and my mom even though my mom and 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 father parted ways when i was in high school he went back to nigeria and she stayed here obviously in new york with me um that structured background and me not wanting to disappoint my mom she was working two jobs heck heck i was even working two jobs to help her out so i went out right away at 13 got my working papers and started actually being the man of the house mm. um since that time both my parents are deceased but they live within me because of all the lessons that they instilled if that makes sense yes um so me not wanting to disappoint her she was like you're going to go to college no matter what so i actually did and i love the thing so the thing that really saved me to be honest with you and 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 a lot of people don't talk about this but some people may be too young or whatever but what really made me want to go to college was a different world which was the spinoff from the cosby show mm. so the different world made me like oh man girls fly girls and all this and no no parents around i mean what's not to love i'm with all of this this is even better than hanging out with, with the local drug dealers i mean <laughs> this is different. once i saw whitney i was like oh it's a wrap <laughs> I, I know if Dwayne Wayne could get that, I know I could get something better. <laughs> so at the end of the day, that's what made me really get up and and want to, because I had a choice. I could have stayed at a local community college and been under the influence, hanging out in the lunchroom, doing all that. But watching that show, to be honest with you, made me want to go away from to college because it looked fun. Mm -hmm. It looked different. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of times you know people say oh don't watch tv but there's certain shows that come on that can influence a whole generation because i know True. i'm not the only one i've asked my friends and they were like yeah 
seeing different world and and the kind of fun that they were having it was a different environment than what we were used to there was not not as much danger there wasn't all the street knowledge that you have to have keep your head on a swivel and that was something different to me i chased it and obviously it worked out man thank you for sharing that bro um you're not the first person i've heard said a uh, different world changed their lives man as they uh they identified with characters in there and what was taking place and like they did talk about like real life things that was going on that they could, people could identify with and they felt genuine and authentic about it it wasn't anything like fairy tale or made up you know what i mean i um i want to unpack a couple things bro you said a couple of important points that i wanted to uh, maybe pull away pull some stuff out of the, the stories that you mentioned so growing up in that environment i know that you had to like uh navigate your way through that which you did and your parents i would say seen it and said they don't want their son to be a part of that so what is it that you would say that you would draw from within you that you could say uh has that background has impacted your life now today based off how you grew up and just like missing all those things they're not being in that that environment where you know what it could have been if you had stayed well I think one of the big things was is that and I'll just keep it real I I was friends with everyone so I was the type of dude that had <laughs> the drug dealer friends and things of this nature and I was I was around in that mix mm -hmm. but one of the biggest things that really kind of influenced my life is that I had a good friend so my mom um basically was from a small country called Montserrat and she had a friend that came over because back then you would get a visa from England and then come to you know New York or some other state so that was kind of like the little portal of how you got out of the West Indies to that's get what my visa. parents did too man exactly so you know Montserrat is basically was under British law so they allowed you to get a visa because it was colonized by the british right. so she went and that's how she got to new york mm -hmm. so long story short she had a friend from Montserrat, one of her friends that she grew up with like her little sister girlfriend type of thing yeah, yeah he had a son around the same age but what happened is is that when they came here he, there was more of them that he had about the one that was my age at the time was about 17 he had two older brothers one was strung out on drugs and the other one was one of the biggest drug dealers on the block in the Bronx oh, so I grew up around that whole situation so when she would send me up there to on in the summer she thought she was telling sending me to a safe place <laughs> <laughs> little did you know she was sending me from from the kettle straight into the frying pan but I never said nothing because obviously I had a lot of fun up there when mm. when your friends to the brother of the biggest drug deal on the block trust me no one is looking at you it's almost like you have that kind of uh influence mm -hmm. so no one looked at us no one messed with us we would go to the court yo we got next all right yeah <laughs> yeah we got next exactly so that's one aspect of it right and hindsight is 2020 obviously that kind of influence is not what you want in your life right. but what do i know at the time i'm 17 years old things of this nature but obviously the story didn't end well when obviously drugs are involved so 
he eventually because you got you get too big right you get too big you become too big of a a, a drug star as they used to say back then he went to jail um got a long sentence that's when they were giving out those football numbers you're talking about you know bush and and the reagan administration they were trying to clean up the streets things of this nature and um my friend who i knew at the time you know he was devastated because he was very close to his older brother mm -hmm. he knew he wasn't going to come home for at least 20 years minimum so you know i still still kept coming up there and hanging out and things of this nature but long story short he eventually started selling drugs and i was kind of around that and things of that nature but he didn't really want to he just kind of like just took it up as kind of like a coping mechanism right okay and i was just around at the time so long story short um eventually it got too much from him he wasn't as good as his brother obviously and you know too much beef started happening and things of this nature and it, it got in his head and he long story short he committed suicide mm. so he committed suicide one day i wasn't around obviously um i got the phone call and that kind of flatlined me because at 17 i've never lost anyone that close to me this guy was like my brother we hung out every summer i'm talking about from the time school got out <laughs> straight to when school left because like i said my mom thought I, she was sending me to a safe environment away from harlem meanwhile south bronx was hotter than fish grease <laughs> this is the time i'm talking about fat joe and all that stuff like that so when people talk about fat joe and these rappers like that these guys really did it because i was around and saw that mm -hmm. so long story short um that changed something different in me and that was also around the time where i was going to go to stony brook and that that made it a, a profound decision that i definitely got to get away this one was a little too tough for me because i never lost anyone that close you know i never really seen a lot of death situations at that time and suicide at that so obviously it was very devastating um went to the funeral things of that nature but i made a decision right then and there this environment you know i i gotta somehow separate myself from this because eventually it, it'll pull me in as well wow i got you man so i was thinking about what you said so my my mom and dad did the same thing when they left uh jamaica they went to new york before they came to miami to uh, link up with me and my siblings so uh it's funny how those were the means people had to go through like back in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that probably some of the 90s too i know that they did that in the 80s for us <clears throat> bro so speaking of like losses and seeing your friend um pass away and that kind of flatlined you i wanted to kind of bring it back um to your mom and dad so mom and dad divorced you said around high school if i'm not mistaken correct and then uh that must have had an impact on you when they uh, went their separate ways how did uh, that affect you while you was growing up um to be honest with you my father worked a lot but the real catalyst even though i don't believe it's an excuse but i do understand it so what happens is is that he came here now if you know anything about nigerian education it's top of the line mm -hmm. okay 
So he came here and was swimming through these PhD classes. Okay. All right. Graduated with honors at Columbia, which was a big deal. Not a lot of uh, people of our color graduating with PhDs at that time. Remember, mm -hmm. it's mid to early 80s. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now mm -hmm. he's trying to get a job and they're playing the race card. I see. And him saying to himself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I passed all your courses with flying colors and, and you still won't give me a ch chance to be a biology professor and I've done your curriculum. Wow. So that was also my first bud or sip of racism, mm -hmm. you know, very close to home, things of this nature. So, you know, just being frustrated, them not giving him a chance to be a professor. Now he had all the credentials, all the bells and whistles and still playing that card at that time. So he was like, why should I do this? I can go back to, to Nigeria and get hired right away. Right. And eventually he would do a summer, come back, summer, come back until eventually he didn't come back. Mm so he got the uh, position that he wanted at the university of nigeria which is what they call unilag for short mm -hmm. so shout out to niger because i know that's what y'all call it <laughs> um so he got that position became very successful and then eventually became the dean of biology mm, okay. and went on to have a 20-year career in the university of nigeria and um you know very respected because obviously becoming the dean of a top university of the of Nigeria is a big deal. So, you know, we basically kept in touch and I would go basically over there now for summers in college and basically kept the relationship up. But after I graduated from college, it was time to be the man of the house. And, you know, now it was trying to, you know, basically go out into the work field and those summer little vacations had to cut out and we basically would talk on the phone and things of that nature and he would ask me how i was doing he was proud of me obviously that i actually graduated from stony brook with an economics degree and things like that and you know like a nigerian father go for your masters no go for your <laughs> so being labeled as the man of the house and now like putting that into action and like you're really like hustling bustling working grinding doing your thing did that come with any additional stress on you as you were going through it or you just was going through it or like you felt like i gotta make something happen i gotta do this or i gotta like live up to like expectations of like my mom and my dad based off like what they've instilled in you yeah it's uh that's a good question it actually switched so what happened is is that at first it was both of them but then i something switched off when i graduated from stony brook where it's just like it's all about mom i'm seeing her do work two sometimes even three jobs and i was working two jobs myself mm -hmm. i was on stony brook doing nighttime security at the time and working in the bursar's office so it was i just my whole mindset at that time was don't put any more stress on her and contribute to the household so that was my biggest thing so i to be honest with you to answer your question i never even thought of the stress on me my whole thing was 
make sure mom is good because she's doing all this for me so i have to do my part and more so you know how they say for your loved ones things of this nature you'll run through a wall you won't even worry if it breaks your hand or whatever happens to you you're just too busy focused on making sure that they're good so I, whatever stress that came at the time i literally just brushed it off to make sure that she was well got you mm -hmm. so as we get ready to transition here into your um your business and the career that you're in i have this one last question actually about your family and stuff you had mentioned that um they did both pass away mm -hmm. so i wanted to just see if you wanted to elaborate on that and just speak about like um that and then maybe the impact it had on you in, in regards to your life now okay so basically after college things of that nature i was uh because the whole concept of him not getting a job in in the early 80s and things of that nature and i told you i got my first taste of racism and obviously <laughs> last time i checked racism is not gone right. so now you had me facing the same thing i graduated from stony brook i have to now get out into the workforce but obviously was bit better from the 80s now we're talking now the 90s and i'm trying to do the same thing but it hasn't gone away it just gave me a such a burning desire to actually go ahead and you know no matter if they play the race card i'm going to play the hand that that, that was dealt mm -hmm. so i actually wound up working on wall street um by doing more than was expected mm -hmm. so what i mean by that is is that i got my break as a kind of like an intern on a wall street firm um and basically i would stay long hours things of this nature pick up on extra things like that and at the end so that's how you used to get into wall street at the time you would do temp to perm type of hiring situation so they hired me on permanent and I just took advantage and learned everything that I could on the trading desk mm -hmm. about stocks, bonds, how to trade them, how to trade a, a trader's blotter, which is basically looking at the PL the night before and seeing what the trader was going to trade in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I just learned every aspect of that and was hoping at the time that, you know, I would be based off my work ethic and my merit and knowledge and not my skin color and what do you know it worked out so from there they hired me permanently i stayed with that firm for about two or three years and then i from that opportunity i learned derivatives and if you know anything about 08 and everything like that knowing derivatives was huge mm -hmm. so now i became in very high demand and then that's when my career basically took off so as far as my the, the uh, passing of my father, at the time we weren't super close, but he kind of did let me know that he had cancer, colon cancer. He was trying to you know get some treatment at the time, but he spoke on it too late. Mm -hmm. um, he had already you know went to the doctor and it was at stage three. Um, maybe one of the reasons why I'm so into health now, especially men of color being into their health a little bit more um because it was something that i think could have been prevented if he had spoke up because there were symptoms there he had blood in his stool he was not feeling well he was not teaching as many classes but he ignored it like most men do i'm tough i'm strong that type of situation right. so, um 
his passing was hard on me, but not as hard because I was more close to my mom at that time, mm -hmm. right? And then at that, shortly after that, after about, because he died in 06, my mom didn't start to feel well. She was close to retirement in 09, and I took care of her from 09 to 2011. So her passing was obviously a lot more dramatic for me, but it was one of those things where I didn't have any ill will against it. Obviously, I didn't want her to pass, but the fact that from 08 to 2011, we spent the most closest years of um, our lives together because obviously I moved out of my house once I left Stony Brook. So I would just come on weekends. But then I transitioned to move back to Harlem and actually take care of her full time. So we got to spend quality time together before she transitioned. And that's something that I, I always warrant any person to think that time is valuable and tomorrow's not promised. So when you have sick parents, things of this nature, spend the time because you just never know when that time is. So that's why her passing was difficult, but not as difficult because I was around her 24 seven during the last years. Wow. Well, man, um, my condolences and also bro uh i love the fact that uh throughout all this transition man like you had like so gracefulness about it you know what i mean like you like you're appreciating like what's taking place and what's going on and like you have the realization that um this is someone that took care of me growing up and now that i'm in this position to like give it back you know what i mean and take care of them um, during their transition, man. So I think that's kind of cool, man. For sure. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't get that. You know, a lot of people just get the phone call. A lot of people get the uh, the text messages or something like that. But for you to actually um, embrace the person that brought you up, man, I think it's it's a different type of experience. You know, what I'm saying based off how you kind of like shared it. So that's why the Bible says, um, "Twice a child, once a man." A lot true. of people don't understand that phrase. What they mean is, is that you obviously a birth from your parents your child you become a man one time but right. then now once they become sick you switch roles and you actually become the caregiver to them right so now where it was switched before now you're almost like the parent because i took care of everything paid a rent um you know even got her a separate holistic doctor because mm -hmm. they they had written her off when she had gotten sick because mm -hmm. she basically she had a, a lung issue super healthy but it was just like a rare lung disease and it wasn't cancer so they ruled all these things out but long story short that's when i really got into holistic medicine which is why i'm into super into health right now because she started me on that journey trying to save her and extend her life which i wind up doing for another three years Mm -hmm. And I appreciate her for that as well. So there's a lot of nuggets that were taught along the way. My father tasting racism made me that much more aggressive to say that I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to run from it. I'm actually going to head it, hit it head on. Mm -hmm. And then now my mom taking sick allowed me to find out that there's a lot of alternative medicines out there when the doctor says no there's a way and there's someone that can say yes 
So these things I will never take for granted um, dealing with those situations. That's why adversity does have a lesson if you're willing to look for it. Most people are looking at the adversity and they're just saying, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything to anyone. I don't bother anyone. But the adversity is there for God to teach you something. So you have to learn through the lesson. Because if we came down here on earth and everything was just up, up, up and away, Superman, then why are we down here if we're not here to learn lessons? So like my pastor says, we live life on levels and then arrive on stages. All right. You, you know, as you said that, man, it's something that I've I, uh, been saying a good bit when I speak to people. Whenever adversity hits, if we could shift our mindset from using the question, why, 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 why this, why that, and just start uh, substituting the word what, you see that your mind goes into action thinking. If you start using questions around what, what should you do, what, what should be next, what is the next step, those types of things. You see that your mind shift and just open up your mind to like start thinking of other possibilities and other things to do as you just uh, continue to take action and move forward. Man, let's hop into this uh, this uh, journey of yours, bro. So Wall Street, insurance, retirement, uh, pharmaceuticals. Take me through your plus you said you started working at 13. So take me through your your career, man, your entrepreneurship journey, your business journey, all of these ventures that you've been in, man, because that's what I'll tell you when we first started this podcast. You've had so much business experience, entrepreneur experience and real life experience that you've um, you probably only shared maybe like 25 percent of that with me. But if you can, man. <laughs> but if you can, bro. Um, Let's talk about that, man, because um, I want to unpack uh, quite a few questions from all of that, all of your business journeys and all the things that you've done, man. So can you take us to that journey of what you've done, man? Absolutely. So, you know, half West Indian, half Nigerian, I had 22 jobs. <laughs> Come on, you know that already. So <laughs> yeah, man, no, man, we have enough jobs. Enough. <laughs> so, the whole concept, and I had the best of both worlds, so you could forget about that. So long story short, obviously back then you used to you know have to get working papers to to work mm -hmm. you had to go through this whole little certification get this paper to say that you're of age and your parents signed off on it and all this other stuff so i ran out and got it so and even in uh junior high i actually used to work bagging groceries at the supermarket and then i also had a little library job as well mm -hmm. just putting putting the books away so obviously what I did is the supermarket near me that's off the books you just get whatever tip money for packing groceries and I learned how to pack quickly put the heavy stuff in first and all that stuff mm -hmm. but then I said you know what me being the Nigerian like wait a minute this is not enough money <laughs> so I went and took the working papers and went down to the city where they had the ritzy supermarket so you literally had like you know the more high-end supermarket i'm not going to call the name of, and give them a free promo but in here in new york city there's more gourmet supermarkets where cheese is like ten dollars and 15 cents 
and it comes from Europe and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. They got imported cheeses, imported wine. So I started working at that grocery store and, you know, instead of in the hood and the tips got much better. Mm -hmm. I mean, like <laughs> this supermarket, okay. this supermarket was so high class. They had people coming on there from soap operas. Okay. So okay. You, you pack their grocery. They were giving you $10. That was a big deal back then. $10 tip, $5 tip. So I was making more money doing that. And then and then I did the little uh weekend uh library job and things of that nature. So that basically started off my entrepreneurship. I kept uh two jobs basically from that time all the way through college. Even in college, mm -hmm. like I said, I worked at the Bursar's office where people would hope to get that little refund back from you know overpaying for financial aid. And they're like, Femi, when is my check coming? Look my name up, Duncan and all this other type of stuff and i did a little bit of nighttime security at little college parties and things of that nature so mm -hmm. long story short i kept two jobs throughout my career graduated from stony brook got the wall street opportunity made the best of that and then shortly after that i actually got licensed in uh life and health mm -hmm. and then from learning from life and health um i just learned that you know that insurance wasn't exactly death insurance as most people talked about. That mostly, yes, when someone passes, they should have life insurance, especially people of our color. And which is another issue and a whole nother separate podcast on why they don't have it and why it actually find, passes down financial disruption as far as legacy is concerned. Because when Nana dies and there's no insurance, and no one knows how to pay the mortgage and everybody was just living in the brownstone <laughs> and no one knows where her papers are that can cause financial chaos right so long story short i just really got into it because i love the fact that i can help people prepare them financially even though people don't want to talk about death it's going to happen newsflash it's going to happen so i just love the fact that um of helping people because i've always been a person that loves to help people most people call it the helpers high mm -hmm. where you just feel good helping people with the knowledge that you know like oh i didn't know about that i'm like yeah you could do this this and this and the will you can get it for under 20 dollars, and you put it in a safety deposit box and you tell all your children so god forbid if you pass this is your game plan mm -hmm so you want to make sure that your grandchildren and things of that nature so i started doing a lot of insurance for older people senior citizens things of that nature who didn't want to talk about death but they knew that this was an unavoidable event and they wanted to talk to someone that had knowledge about it so that's how i got into the life insurance world and then um when we met um back in you know in texas i took it to another level and found out that the rich don't buy life insurance they label it life insurance but the higher level the upper echelon of insurance is actually using insurance as a tax haven and you can also use it to build wealth tax free right. when you're time to retire which is called uh an infinite policy plan mm -hmm. so that's where i'm at right now taking that knowledge that i've gained over the last couple of years 
and looking at the type of insurance policies that the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds have used to actually stay on top with their whole lineage, staying on top by literally passing on wealth through the concept of life insurance. But it's not like they really needed money to bury themselves. They were already rich. Right. But they use that concept to pass on the legacy. So as the grandchildren grow up, they're already set. And then now they leave them with certain rules and guidelines to uh, to continue the legacy. So when we, I'm going to tap into the insurance thing a little bit, the will thing and your last will and testament, um, if mm -hmm. you can. So when people, actually, let me go back. You said this and let's, uh, let's address it real fast. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions out there around uh, life insurance? Why are so many people scared of uh, attaining it, buying it, and uh, using it? That's a great question. To be honest with you, a lot of time is the way that it is presented, right? Mm -hmm. So if you present something and it looks like it's going to be a negative aspect. So most people think of life insurance as, okay, I'm going to die because that's all they, they think of because of just what it is. Mm -hmm. Just like if you go to a, a, a used car sales lot, not every car salesman is sleazy, but basically used car salespeople, and I know a few, they all get that stigma because that's already out there. Oh, be careful. They're going to try to take you, you see. So sometimes you have to uneducate and then re-educate. Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm sitting down with a client to answer your question, first thing I start off with is education. I could care less about the sale. You can buy it from me, buy it from someone else. But let me educate you on what life insurance is for. So life insurance is for, A, to make sure that your funeral costs are covered. B is to make sure that you have enough expenses to cover whatever you were contributing. So if you're a husband, if you're a single person, whatever it is, is the concept. If my bills, for example, if I have a family, a family of four, three kids and a wife or what have you, and the household expenses per month were $5,000, if I drop dead suddenly, not through a sickness, suddenly, car accident, shot, whatever the issue is, car, plane, train, automobile accident. How many months could my family, if I was paying most of the bills, survive if my income was not here? Right. No one thinks about that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But it's my job as the advisor to say, hey, John, have you thought about that? If you passed away tomorrow? Um, how would Jan um, cover this $5,000, including the mortgage, the kids, tuition? Or how, how would they happen? And the answer is always, I, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't know. Right. So now you start to shift that mindset from insurance into protection. Mm. So this is the key. Protection against who? against protecting my family from financial burden right now it's a different spend i'm not thinking oh man mike is not thinking oh man i'm gonna pass i have a family and responsibility that needs to be covered right. when i'm long gone 
That's right. And it needs to be covered immediately because death is immediate. You don't <laughs> die in slow motion, right? <laughs> death is immediate. So <laughs> it, it needs to be covered right away. If you pass away in May, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to tell you. People don't think about this. Oh, man. This is not slow motion and you float up to the heavens. <laughs> you know, You're all, right, man. You're so right, bro. All, all of a sudden, you flow up to the, to the heavens in slow motion like, like some cartoon. No, 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 no. You pass away in May, that mortgage company still going to want their money in June. That's right. They're not asking any questions and they're not sending no condolences cards. No. All they know is that mortgages do. So a lot of our people are not protected. Notice the words I'm using now. They're not protected for the funeral. They're not protected to what happens after the funeral. And then most importantly, that begins to put a strain on the entire grieving process. This is why you see this thing turn and spiral into something way out of hand. Because it's already difficult enough dealing with death itself. But now you sprinkle some financial burden on there, you can't even properly grieve. I guarantee you, because now it switched something on in your in your mind, right? And this is where the whole health thing comes in. You have a sympathetic and then a parasympathetic, mm -hmm. and you know about this obviously being obviously in the armed forces and things of this nature. So when you're at heightened stress all the time. You cannot be in a healthy state true, because you're too busy worrying about financial burden. So now you switch on the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight. Every right. day is a fight or flight as if a tiger is chasing you and you're trying to, let's just say the husband passed away and that income is gone and you're trying to deal with the kids, deal with their grieving and all this other stuff. And all of this would have been a little less burden if you had gotten the right protection to cover the funeral. And what it's called is when I sit down with a client, I always come up with their monthly expenses. So let's go back to that same example, 5,000. Mm -hmm. There's 12 months in a year, right? Yeah. So now you're going to need at least 60K to cover the first 12 months when that person passes away. Yes or yes? Yes. That's so correct. you're going to need that money to go ahead and handle business. And now when you don't have 60K that can be written in a, a form of an insurance check right away, now all that's on the wife's mind, all that's on the kid's mind is how are we making up that 60K? How's it going to happen? You don't just put pull 60K out of nowhere and this $5,000 loss in income has to be made up. And like I said, it has to happen immediately. And that's what insurance is, truly is protection, the ability to grieve, and then now to really pass on the legacy that whoever passed away, whether it's the husband, the wife, or what have you, because obviously there's con contributions on both sides to make sure that these children have a little less to think about as they deal with the grieving loss of, of a parent or whoever the loved one was. Wow. Thank you for that explanation, man. Mm -hmm. as, as a person that's listening... Now, can you talk about the uh, importance of having a will or having a power of attorney? And then also, 
if you could elaborate a little bit more now on um, what is infinite, like insurance banking, infinite policies and things like that. Okay, perfect. So I'll tackle the first part. So having a will is huge, especially, what word did I say? Especially if you have a home, because here's what happens. I've worked in the banking industry as well right so after wall street i've worked for big firms um banks that begin with c let's just put it like that and things of this nature right and i've worked with banks that begin with the letter b <laughs> so these are like the top three banks in in the world when it comes to this stuff right and at the end of the day the 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 people who give you the mortgage the big banks and things of that nature they don't want your home. They're not into, you know, property management. They want that payment, but they will take your home if they don't get that payment. Right. It's just that simple. So at the end of the day, what happens is, is that a lot of times what happens in this, in this situation is the, the deed was in the husband's name and, you know, agree or disagree nine times out of 10, sometimes the man passes away first. And that's usually because he's not taking care of his health. And an example of what my father, <laughs> I just alluded to, he ignored the symptoms of colon cancer and thought he can just, it can just wish it away. So long story short, the father maybe, or the husband may have the deed in his name only. So now he never bothered when he purchased a home to put the, the, the wife's name on the deed or the children. So depending on when he passes away in this example, now if his name is on a deed and in a mortgage and no one else's name is on a deed, there really isn't any ownership to that property because he just passed away. Right. So now once the <laughs> wife, let's just say it's Jan, misses a couple of payments, it's very easy for uh, these big banks to get their $400 an hour lawyers to but like, listen, we can start the foreclosure very easily because there's no one other that has uh, survivor rights to this property. So that's a huge mistake, not having right off the bat. That's a nugget right there. That right there is a nugget. Turn to your neighbor. Make sure. Make sure if people are married or even if they're not married, have another family member's name on the deed. Very quick. You could do a quick claim deed under a hundred bucks, get it recorded. So now it makes it harder for the bank to come and just snatch the property. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Makes sense, bro. Okay. So first things first, that's the power of having that in place. Right. If you have a property, have family members names on the deed as many as possible. The ones that you trust that you think are going to do the right thing. If you were to pass either later on naturally or suddenly. The second thing, the will now just spells everything out. I don't have to tell you, I've been doing insurance for quite a long time. These fights when someone passes away get nastier than an MMA fight, okay? And these uh, these people actually know each other. They're not even going for a belt or championship. <laughs> this, this thing gets nasty. No, daddy said, I can have the car. Daddy said, I can have the second investment property. All of this stuff is not spelled out because once again, the person is not thinking I'm going to pass away. 
They don't want to think about that. And it's that type of thinking, not preparing ahead of time that gets people in trouble. Mm -hmm. Just do it, set it and forget it. And you don't have to do it again. And that's what I'm here to do to basically plug up all the holes so you can do this one time and then go live your life. Because right. I guarantee you, you'll sleep better. I guarantee you. Because you know that the kids are taken care of. I got a whole year of, of expenses for, for Jan and the kids. And I prepared for a little, I bought a little extra policy to make sure that the kids go to college. Jan, all Jan has to do now is distribute. Because now you've taken care of that. It's funny to me. It's like people take care better, better care of their car than they take care of their legacy. Mm. Mm. Turn to your <laughs> other neighbor, man. Other neighbor, on the other side. Every they won't. Even, oh man. They won't even let. Forget about it. Don't let have a matte finish or something. They won't let a scratch go on it. They won't let a weekend go without a car wash, a detail. Okay. They'll, they'll change the oil on time, right at 3,000 miles. Like, they're not even playing around. But for your family, you got no protection? Mm. Let, wow. let, that, let that sink in now. Let, <laughs> that simmer. Let, let, let it sink in. So this is an inanimate object. Because eventually, a car is going to die, too. A car don't drop. <laughs> <laughs> A car don't drive it forever, but you're taking better care of a car or a home and putting all this money into it, but you have not put this kind of protection into your family. Right. What are we talking about, though? What are we talking about? Right. And that's how people need to think about insurance if you really wanted to sum it up. So that's that aspect. So the will basically lays everything out says this goes here that goes here this goes here and yes and now um i have other friends who are in the insurance industry that are actually coming up with even better ideas where now you have video wills mm, where okay, okay. video will is actually with an attorney and believe it or not it's not that expensive to do this because these kind of services are getting cheaper this used to be a thing for the rich where right. they leave, but they actually are sitting down with a nice suit if you're listening to this you know i've obviously transitioned i know it's very difficult but i put some things in place to make it easier and then he or she just goes through the laundry list and you can't talk about how accountable that is that that is accountabilism on the highest level because that person has prepared for that day and now has given their family a chance to see them last speak mm -hmm. and actually give the kind of love and thing and hard work and distribute it the way that he or she wanted it to be distributed. Mm -hmm. Not in somebody else's words, in their words and in video form. Mm -hmm. So that is also another concept There's video wills and they're not that expensive. They used to be, but like things over time with technology, things just get more affordable. So that's the whole concept of the will. And then the last piece is infinite banking. So basically, infinite banking uh, concept has been around since the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, mm -hmm. where basically you can use insurance 
to get a cash value, right? It's not a lot, sometimes anywhere between four to six percent, but it occurs without waiver. Mm -hmm. So it's invested in the stock market, but it's invested under very safe things like bonds. So the insurance company is managing it for you, similar to a 401k, but unlike a 401k, there's no fees. You have access to your money and it pays regardless of what the market is doing. Because if the market goes up a certain amount, you're only getting 6%. If the market goes to hell, you're only getting 6%. So it's one of those slow and steady things. Now, a person can have outside investments if they want to be risky and then have a combination portfolio but you know that this particular infinite policy if all hell breaks loose recession this 2008 debacle people were still getting their infinite banking uh, percentage so it's one of those slick safe um sleep safe at night type of policies and believe it or not once again this used to be the thing of the rich but now the the word is coming out here that you can get policies like this believe it or not for like two three hundred dollars a month and up obviously depending on the person's financial um makeup but this was only heard of by the rich and now the beautiful thing is is that you can tie that infinite uh banking policy to the will right right say hey you can start an infinite banking policy for the children too. So when they reach a certain age, a good age is about, you know, 16, 18, and it'll be in their name. So now literally, if you have a, uh, a child named John and you start one and you have three kids, John, Jane, and Rebecca, you start one in all three of their names. If you contributed to it $200 a month, and then depending on when you pass away now they literally just take over those policies right and then they do the same thing for their children and so on and that's what the rockefellers did that's why they couldn't be broke even if they wanted to is because that six percent compounded True. compounded now slow and steady slow and steady i don't care what the market is doing crypto is falling out the sky this is your slow and steady policy. You got to have one of those in, in in the portfolio. When you have one of those, you know your family legacy is protected. I love the fact that they use a, use the concept of uh, the infinite banking. They uh, allow the means of compound interest and then stacked on top of that, they use their trust to um, carry that on for the legacy of the family. So I wanted to... Uh, tap into that a little bit if you could uh, briefly tap into maybe the importance of uh, compounding a trust with all of these different concepts that you just mentioned perfect so what happens is is that once you get a trust done and 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 I will make a caveat here the trust that most people think about are they think they're done with an attorney but that's actually a public trust a private trust is when you make one separately with an attorney based on private contract law. So when you do that, that comes with certain advantages where now it's not subject to public record, things of this nature, and it puts less eyes on what you're doing because you don't need the whole world to know that you have a trust. 
because you just make yourself a target. Right. So by doing it privately with uh, a reputable law firm and go because there's public trust and there's private trust where it's just between you, that attorney and the people that you're naming as the beneficiary. Now you have more privacy and then now you can actually have the trust own the infinite banking policy, which gives you now a double lockup protection layer because now that trust owns it you don't own it mike does not own it femi right. does not own it the trust is an entity just like another human being mm -hmm. so now you can't easily sue a trust you can sue me you can't sue a trust as easy especially right. if it's private right. so you get private protection you get more hearsay on how you want to distribute certain things to your beneficiary if that's your children and things of this nature and then now the infinite banking is still compounding but under the ownership of the trust and last time i checked uh you can't kill an entity right you can't no, kill you can't, do that. You can't, do that. <laughs> you can't do that oh okay so <laughs> because you can't kill paperwork then there there it is right there so Femi, bro you uh obviously dropped a whole bunch of knowledge and gems on us man um, based off your experience and uh just your wealth of uh, knowledge and education you just shared i wanted to tap into a question here man about um entrepreneurship mm -hmm. so like what is the number one bag as an entrepreneur that they need to chase that will uh enhance all aspects of their lives you know what believe it or not out here nowadays everything is about material so most people are chasing a gucci bag a louis vuitton bag and uh you know a money bag right believe it or not people need to chase a health bag mm. let me tell you what it is because if i say mike i'll give you a million dollars tonight but tomorrow night you got to end your life do you want the bag still no okay so you know the big misnomer out there is that time is money no way because if you run out of time you can't make no more money Thanks. okay so if i say mike okay forget that i'll give you a million dollars tonight but then you, you know you're gonna have to give up a family member of yours gonna have to pass to get it you want it no we're not doing that okay so we obviously know now money is more is not more important than relationships because you're not going to give up a million dollars and lose your mom right or your father or someone right. close to you so now it's just one of those concepts where okay let me just figure this out so if money's not important than time and money's not important in relationships why are people spending all this money all this time to get money and yet they're losing their relationships they're letting their health lack off which aka you're losing time because then you're no longer here on earth you done transitioned mm -hmm. so people have the priorities mixed up they say they chasing the bag so their family can be live a better life and but what are you giving up for that you're giving up your health because you're not checking up on it it's too busy chasing every single bag and on top of that you're not spending quality time with the people that you love in order to get this bag mm -hmm. because at the end of the day 
time is not money money is um time is way more important than money as i just showed you in those two examples right the number one bag that people need to check chase is to check on their health make sure that they're good make sure that they're if they feel fatigued if they feel stressed out if they're feeling any kind of ptsd things of that nature any of those things if you improve those i bet you you improve your efficiency of getting a new bag because when you feel good a certain type of attraction comes onto you and getting a bag is easier because now you have the law of attraction on you because why chase something when you can attract it mm. and you only going to attract that if you're in a high vibration and that's what people are people have a lot of money but they have a bad vibration and they wondering why they have money but they have all these problems mm -hmm. they have switched it wow and thank you for sharing that man uh that uh hit in so many ways for myself man so thank you for sharing that bro mm -hmm. i wanted to uh say this as i jump into my next question like like i said man i'm not sure if i ever told you this publicly but like whenever i hear you talk and i hear you speak i get the the denzel and the malcolm x vibe <laughs> you're, too so kind. you're too kind you're too, uh, kind. <laughs> you're too kind, man. so i don't know if like if it's the harlem or the movies or whatever man but uh but i had another guest um a muslim guy and um we were talking about malcolm x and stuff like that we got into religion mm -hmm. um so my next question for you is about religion bro so um what is the, and I'm saying that because like we have entrepreneurs all over this world that are doing so many great things and stuff like that. And I see a lot of them will touch it and talk about faith and things like that. For yourself, can you tell me like, what is like one of the main religion that you see uh, successful entrepreneurs um, are belonging to and things like that? To be honest with you, the, the number one religion that most successful entrepreneurs, and I don't care what religion that they go to, mm -hmm. is based in what I have named accountabilism. Okay. So tell me about that. If you ever, if you, if you hear that anyone else, make sure let me know so I can get my lawyer on them. All right. <laughs> um, so basically at the end of the day you have to be accountable for whatever that you say that you want mm -hmm. if a person says they want to be a millionaire or they have a dream to even help the homeless or do whatever it is that they want in their life there has to be a level of accountability they have to be accountable to whatever they say out words because words have legs Catch mm. this now words have legs so they can mm -hmm. walk things in or out of your life mm -hmm so if we say something and we really don't mean it the the universe is not going to bring it to you the universe right. is going to bring it to you and i don't care what religion we're talking about muslim torah bible you know whatever the religion hinduism we whatever the religion is it's always about action backing up those words that you want to speak on because the universe is only going to answer those calls and help you push you along once you do the work right. so successful entrepreneurs they're accountable and they to me if you want to call it a religion it's accountabilism that they uh actually attribute to 
and they're going to there's going to be adversity because that's the second way that the universe is going to test if you want to do this oh you want to be a millionaire i'm gonna give you a million problems don't let don't don't let that go over your head <laughs> catch that odell beckham catch that <laughs> because you it's just like if everyone just said they wanted to be a millionaire and the universe just answered then everyone would what be a millionaire that's right no you want to be a millionaire i'm gonna give you a million problems but once i see that you overcome those problems i'll make you a multi-millionaire you see that i see it because you so, pay your dues. go ahead i'll let you finish it yeah so you because you paid your dues I, I wanted to you just share with me man uh, you shared it off air but if you could share your definition of uh what adversity is man i think adversity to be honest with you is is a testing ground okay so contrary to belief <laughs> we're not just here to come to earth and pay bills get married and have children and then have grandchildren no we're actually down here to learn something as well so depending on you know whatever the person's religion is my belief is is that we're coming down here and god is here to test us on certain things certain levels right so that whole thing goes with one of the biggest things that allowed me to see success to be honest with you is when you track things so one of my favorite quotes is if it can be tracked it could be changed so how do i know if a, a kid who's in third grade if he has enough credits to go to fourth grade they test right there's yeah. certain tests that you got to pass to go to the next grade mm -hmm. so if you have to track things when you are in school track things if someone goes on to college track things if how do i know i, I became a millionaire because i go to my bank account and there's a million dollars in there not a million dollars in assets actually a million dollars in cold hard cash that I can keep in there and still pay my bills monthly. Right. So what happens is, is that when you track things, that allows the accountability to come in. And that also goes back to what you said, it changes your mindset about adversity. Right. Why am I going through all this? Why am I solving a million problems? Because I said to the universe, that's what I wanna do. Mm -hmm. So now I have to be accountable to my words match them up with my actions and then arrive so now if i'm tracking that i arrive on levels and then i get to a certain stage but that's not going to happen unless you're tracking what you're doing that's why bodybuilders track what they do in the gym that's why accountants track the numbers that's why if someone wants to lose weight they got to know how much body fat and how much fat they lost from um week to week you have to track things in in order to get to a goal and i think most people lose the concept of that and they just say they want to do something i want to lose weight i want to become a millionaire i want to you know own x amount of, of of properties but what are you tracking along that pace because along with that tracking that's also going to let you know two things where you can probably solve a, a problem for yourself and the world right don't miss that right 
most most inventions happen because people were trying to solve a problem for themselves. Mm -hmm. Easy pass. I can go into many inventions. And then the second thing it's going to do, it's going to now make you comfortable being uncomfortable with adversity. So now when you when you when the adversity come, you don't get upset. You like good. That means I'm one step closer to my goal. So if I solve this one, knock it out. I solve this one, that I'm that much closer to the finish line of whatever I'm stating that I want to do. That's what I, I always like speak about that resilient mindset. It's like uh, once you've done it and you've gotten past it, like your mindset says like, yeah, I've done this. I've gotten through this. Like God has blessed me enough or put me through like the valley and all these things that I've been through, bro. So when you come through, man, you like, that was easy. Or you probably, I found that like most people are celebrated when they go through hard stuff opposed to like easy stuff. Like people don't remember like the easy things that they've been through, but they could tell you about some hard stories that they've been through, some hard times in life and things like that. And I think those resonate a lot more when people share their stories around the adversities that they do come through. For sure. For sure. So as I'm listening to you talk, man, I, uh, a, a thing that's uh, super big for me, man, is a, is a leadership. And mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur and as a business person and someone that's, accountable right can you talk about the importance of uh leadership as it is for self as it is for uh, leading people to as well i think it's huge um the leadership thing is is one of those things where it's funny right you have to you have to beat yourself in order to lead others let me unpack this tell me about that you have to beat yourself before you lead others so what i mean by that what i mean by that is is that there's certain things that everyone knows we have certain vices let's just say i like junk food i like to stay up late things of this nature until i'm able to basically defeat those particular foes how can i tell somebody else don't eat junk food don't stay up late because remember, this is what the problem is sometimes with parenting. People, parents, you know the famous line, <laughs> do what I say, don't, don't do what I do. No, they're looking at you as the example. Right. So they're looking more at your actions more than your words. So if your example is not proper, how, you, how can you expect your words to hit as hard as that? So the whole concept is, is that you have to defeat, defeat certain things that you ever, and everyone's is different, right? Once you defeat those things, then you give yourself the opportunity to start the concept of leadership because in leadership, as you know, you've led many things, you own your own business, you've hired people, gotten rid of people, things of this nature. Now that just starts the first stage because you've actually worked on yourself and defeated those internal foes. Now you can now show that leadership without even the person hearing your words. They're just gonna say, look, Mike comes in on time. He's always eating salads. He never misses a workout. They're looking, even when you think they're not looking. Yeah, That's leadership as well. Right. Lead by example. 
So now, now along that aligns, let's say you start to lead, I don't know, employees, or you're somehow, you know, leading other men or women in some capacity. They're looking at every little single thing that you do. So if you're on point, you never know who you're influencing based off your, your non-verbal actions, which is a, which to me is the most powerful form of leadership. And this is why when you see great leaders like Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and things like that, people saw they didn't just talk. They weren't just great talkers. They saw the action and that influenced many of people that they don't even know to this day because of what they saw. They didn't just, it wasn't lip service. So I like right. to say that talk is cheap. That's why it's always on sale. <laughs> hey man. So how do you maintain a positive mindset when adversities um, hit you? Like whether it's self-doubt, fear, frustration, um, limiting beliefs and all these types of things. How do you even face these things when obstacles come your way? Um, great question. Now, this is something that I believe you learn over time. Now, I've had some adversities in my life, like I told you, from, from the very beginning. And each time I learn from them, obviously, one of my best friends committing suicide, losing my parents, even though I, I'm, I'm blessed to have, you know, lost later on in my life people lose their parents much younger in their life mm -hmm. but i've you know had close deaths so each time it taught me something because at the end of the day when the adversity comes right yes it's not easy to go through and and what i'm saying is easier said than done but it has to be learned in this life because we're always going to have adversity i don't care if you're a millionaire if you're a billionaire you never, you never kill the fly. Some adversity is going to come to you because that's just how this world is structured. Because if mm -hmm. you weren't down here to learn lessons, then why are you even down here? <laughs> you're down here to find your purpose. The second reason that down, you're down here is to actually give it away. The purpose is not to live forever, which is one of my favorite quotes but to actually create something that does mm. which is obviously your legacy if you have children or a foundation or whatever you know hits your heart to do but at the end of the day to answer your question more specifically i always look at there's two choices some adversity hit right a death in the family yes i'm going to grieve and things of this nature but at the end of the day is that grieving going to bring the person back no and what would that person want me to do carry on correct so i always think of two things what is the adversity what is the learning lesson and how do i move forward because no matter what the adversity is if i think of those three things although it's going to be difficult i'm not saying it's going to be easy those three things are going to put me on the on the road to recovery of whatever the adversity is. And if it's a business adversity, at this point in my life, I actually cherish it. Because like I said, if I go through this adversity and it's business related, 
I think there's a good chance another person in my same industry, in my same business, and if I solve it for me, I can actually package that and actually sell them a solution. Repurpose it. Does that make sense? So I actually, when it's a business, I love it because that means for every problem, you probably just solve two more for someone else. If you really go ahead and, and solve it for yourself. And now that's just another contribution that you can actually give to the world. So adversity is actually hard work disguised in, in, in overalls. Absolutely. Femi, for, for you where you're at now, man, um, I imagine that there's a couple people that has uh, inspired you, has helped you, um, got to the level of where you're at now. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like um, mentorships, um, some books that you may have read too as well? Um, in regards to like the importance of them um, for yourself and how you got to where you're at now. Man. Great question. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer. I'm an avid reader. So I, I, I completely love knowledge. Now, based off my schedule, I listen to more audio books in the car. So I turn my car into a university. Um, the time-tested ones, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um the millionaire next door the richest man in babylon mm -hmm. these are some key 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 books because all of those are about leadership adversity and solutions mm -hmm. so if now you start to get into any kind of basically self-education not the education that we get in school and i'm all with about education in school but nowadays the world is changing too quickly to be honest with you right after high school or during high school someone needs to start self-educating themselves especially in a financial arena in order to keep up with the way that the world is changing now we have things like digital currency and crypto and you know recessions happen and things of this nature and these kind of things you can't overcome these things just based off what they teach you in school there's no way you have to keep up on your own on certain aspects of it in order to keep yourself safe and your family safe so um my biggest thing is i can name a thousand books but my whole thing is just keep reading number one listen to podcasts obviously like yourself that are bringing the people the type of information that they need to know from the type of guests that you vetted and know that it will make an impact. And my third thing is always just a concept of believing in yourself, right? Because I don't care what anyone has said, I've met very, very wealthy people in my life. They are just like everyone else. They had adversity. They had things they had to go through. They had to deal with death. They're no different. Right. But their mindset of, I'm going to keep failing forward. Mm -hmm. Notice the words I said, failing forward until I get to the end of my goal, because either way, the adversity is not going to stop because I'm boohooing. Fail forward and see where it brings you. So as we get ready to wrap up here, man, um, you mentioned something earlier with the previous answer that you had talked about. 
Mm -hmm. And I think it's something important that people always take into consideration and think about, man. Mm -hmm. If you could expound a little bit, man, um, what is your definition of the meaning of life, your purpose here on this earth, and your legacy? Um, we touched on it a little bit. I just believe that um, God puts us on earth to catch certain lessons, right? Mm -hmm. And there's certain lessons and mindsets that actually, especially now with social media, things have changed, obviously, over the last 10 years, heck, over the last five years. And really, this is really about limiting distractions and more about self-education and doing what is believed for you. The real reason why people fail this test called life is because they're looking at somebody else's paper. Mm -hmm. but they don't realize that the questions are different than your neighbor or the, <laughs> your left neighbor or the neighbor on your right. So you're looking at your their paper for answers, but at the end of the day, even if you read a book, you still have to relate that to you. Take the lesson and relate it to you. You may not do it exactly the way that that author did it in that book. You still have to translate it and say, how is this going to help Michael? Right not that author that author already did it their way does that make sense makes sense bro so the whole concept is is that a couple of things that and i'll kind of end with that there's a couple of concepts that really keep trapped and we talked about some of them time is money we already please we already crossed that out time is way more valuable than money because without time you get no more money but without money I still got enough time to make it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing is about, you know, self-education. I think there's a big thing out here where it's all about degrees versus your destiny. Let me play that back. So a lot yeah. of people getting degrees and, and I have no problem with, uh, you know, education, but my whole thing is, is that is getting these all these degrees really your destiny? Are you really happy? Are you getting the masters because you want to, or because they're gonna pay you a little bit more? Because some people are spending 10, 15,000 to get a postgraduate degree and their job only gave them 5,000 and that's before we take the taxes out. Or they put a little handcuff on them and like, oh, we paid for this, you gotta stay here five years. So, is this really what you wanted to do or was you once again chasing that money again mm -hmm. so degree versus destiny the other thing is is that being fearful or is this a fair world so what do i mean by that a lot of people don't chase their dream because they're afraid i don't know how it's going to work out uh you know i'm afraid i, I don't want to take a risk you're already in a risk not <laughs> taking a risk is a risk already don't believe me we had this little thing called COVID, right right everybody thought they were safe on their job and all that and next thing you know something that was out of the control of everyone people got laid off and you were playing it safe right you wasn't doing anything nobody but i'm not bothering anybody but guess what this thing called life again so now if you had had a dream to be uh, have a side business or whatever before COVID hit if you had learned those skills you wouldn't have been so fearful when something that was out of control of everyone right 
you could have leaned back on that, whether that be making cakes, event planning, whatever. If you had not let fear lock you up, you would have had another skill to uh, to lean back on. Because most people are on this, oh, okay, if I do everything, I go to church, I, I contribute to the poor and all that, then it should be fear that I get what is due to me. But that's an, an entitlement thing. Even, even Mother Teresa had to go through adversity and she didn't do anything to anyone, right? Right. So it's obviously that whole concept of oh oh you I do the right thing doesn't always get you what you think you deserve. Right? Right. And then one of the last things is always about um tracking your progress. Right? You don't know where you're going when you don't know where you come from. A lot of people don't track things in their life. So they'll work on the same job 20 years and they'll be like, I have 20 years experience. No, you don't. You got hired in 2000. You learned everything in the first year and you just repeating the last 20 years of what you learned in 2020 mm -hmm. or whenever you got hired. So if you're not progressing at all times, either mentally, spiritually, financially, the world doesn't stand still for you. No. How much was an English muffin in 1980? How much is it right now? <laughs> Shoot, probably like 25 cent, 50 cent, and now it's probably like five bucks. <laughs> okay. Is it, is, this, is it not same the same nook and crannies? Same thing, bro. <laughs> nook and crannies, right? So that's just a light example to show you that the world doesn't stand still. So you actually have to go meet life at every level. So I always tell people this all the time. Listen, they have a concept of tree grows in Brooklyn, right? There's a little slogan out here, you know, to, you know, to show how people could go to college and, and grow themselves and things of that nature. So if God made inanimate so because trees grow to huge elm trees can grow 20 30 40 feet and all this other stuff does the tree say nah i'm good I, I'm, I've done enough growing i'm good no that tree is always growing so if god set that up for mother nature what do you think he expects from his his offspring if trees still grow and they they quite large at all as and some of them are quite large what do you think he expects of us so we always have to keep growing and we only know if we're growing if we're tracking everything that we're doing now i don't mean to be anal about it but there's certain parameters that we need to track we need to track our finances we need to track our health we need to track um our spiritual growth and how you track spiritual growth is Things that used to bother you in the 20s, they shouldn't bother you in the 40s. Mm -hmm. Catch that. Catch that. If somebody cuts you off in the 20s, you are ready to curse them at 40s. You should be like, have a nice day. It's not worth it. Because that's a sign of what? Emotional right, and spiritual maturity. Right, yeah. So these kind of things you need to track in your life without question. Your finance, your health, and your spiritual journey. Now, if you want to track other things, that's fine. But those three, be a minimum. Because they let you know 
Is this the same mic from five years ago? Mm. Is it? Because if I'm still in the same place financially, if I'm still cursing out the person, cursing out the person who cut me off, if I'm still not in the health position that I'm supposed to be, then that lets me know I'm not doing enough. Right. Wow. So, okay. I heard someone said the same thing you said about the tree, but they they reference it in regards to um, animals. And if you think about God provide food for the birds, you name you name the animal, they eat every day. None of them stop. (laughs) So if he can do those for the animals, bro, imagine what he'll do for you, man. He will provide for you. (laughs) But see what it is. Here's the part that people miss. This is the part. This is the gem. This is the part where this is the pirate of the Caribbean gem. Okay. Because he expects more from from us, there has to be more accountability. Right. And that's the part that people don't want to do. Because for accountability, you got to shut down certain distractions, having fun. I'm all about, but at a certain point, you have to keep it in moderation in order to stay on track you see what i'm saying so social media is one of those things where like they say whatever uh entertains you trains you yeah so now people are being trained by social media and that's what gets them off the path the reason why god does that for the animals and things of that nature because he's already set up a system and they've never broken it right last time have you ever seen a vegan lion (laughs) <laughs> no nah, i'm just asking you have you seen <laughs> we, we already know the answer to that. <laughs> okay so at the end of the day he makes sure there's enough livestock for the lions to eat what they have to do because they never break their nature right you see because there's a certain mother nature has set up you don't see lions starting to chomp on uh you know kale so he's like you you've you followed my system so i'm going to make sure there's enough zebras and all this other stuff that you can eat because you are on track notice the words i'm using again track so all he's expecting is the same thing from us and even though it'll come with adversity those adversity come with lessons those lessons make us better and then they make everything grow I got you, bro, man. I got two questions for you, man. I'm going to get you out of here, man. I uh, so much appreciate your time, man. Definitely. So, uh, me and you had spoke earlier before we got started, and uh, you had shared some stuff uh, around, um, like, lies and things like that, around um, things that keeps people broke in society, man. So, what are, like, some lies that uh, that has kept people broke in the society for uh, decades and counting, man? And... Uh, if you can provide some solutions to that too as well absolutely um so we touched on some of them um time is money uh the second thing is is that um distractions and things of that nature Mm -hmm. is um is acceptable and after a point and period is not acceptable Mm -hmm. okay um 
The other big one is I'll get to that tomorrow. Mm. You don't have time like that. You have to live because I'll put it like this. Here's a simple analogy. And even when people are playing video games, right? Do you see keep people playing video games, play it, put it on pause, go eat a sandwich? They play with intention. Serious gamers now get money, big money to play video games. Right. They get millions of dollars. I wish they did that when I had Atari and <laughs> shoot, they ain't give me no money, and I was good. <laughs> I, I was destroying people in Madden. You hear me? <laughs> so my whole thing is that if you're playing a game with intention and you're not playing life with that same intention, what's going on? Right. Because they know in a video game, you only get a certain amount of lives. So let's say it's Mario Brothers. I know I'm taking you back. You only get three. In this one, you get one. Right. And you were playing harder on Mario Brothers than you playing right now. What's mm. that about? And that's a video game. Don't add up. Exactly. So those are, are, are the big ones. Time is money. Um, we can get to it tomorrow, right? Um, distractions is is a huge one, especially now in this day and age of uh, of social media. And the biggest one to me, in my opinion, is um, sacrificing your health to try to chase a bag. I've known so many people to pass away, even in, since we met in Texas a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. These people are younger than me, some of them. But they're running themselves ragged trying to chase a bag, and they're, they're, make, they're not making health a priority. They're making it a backdrop. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's it doesn't make sense because, like I said, when you're healthy and you're on a high vibe vibration, everything becomes easier. I didn't say easy. I said easier. You attract more business, relationships in your life and things of this nature because people can't help but feel that sphere around you that good aura and not saying that bad people are not going to come i'm not saying any of that but what i'm saying is is that you can identify the snakes in the grass better because your aura is so positive now god gives you certain uh levels of discernment i should say to uh peep certain things happening to you because once again he sees that he's you're on track so he's going to uh give you a couple of nuggets and so that's why keeping in that health wise because you can't be in a good vibration unless your health is high or higher so that means unfortunately cutting out certain foods that means exercising that means getting the proper sleep when you do those three three things you now automatically boost your physical health which automatically now boosts your spiritual health and puts you in a higher vibration to uh succeed and get to your goals wow i think you already answered my question here but i was gonna ask you man uh, how do you femi mm -hmm. um maintain um your psychological peace how do you maintain um your health how do you 
take care of yourself and things like that to be operating at your optimum um, vibration? Well, I'm a student of the game, so I'm big on growth, right? So my whole thing is, is that what keeps me high and, and reaching for higher is that I just know that the world is always changing. So what I mean by that is I'm constantly reading, whether it be about health, finance or spirit those are my big, big three things because those are the things like i stated we need to uh track mm -hmm. so anything that's out there i listen to a lot of podcasts that's why i love the fact that you started yours i listen i read and listen to a lot of books as well and i keep my ear to the streets on what's new what's innovative so what happens is that literally they and this has been kind of proven you really can't get old once you're creating new neurons. And how do you create new neurons? You have to be learning something new on a daily or weekly basis. So when you get new brain cells, that's why they tell you if you do something for 30 days or more, it forms a habit. And that habit, they didn't finish the quote off, forms new neurons. Right. So those neurons over the next year or two, now you become a different michael than you were even last year right so now you are becoming a new person literally on a daily or weekly basis just by learning something new no matter what it is whether it be whatever you one of your passion music art um that's why i love traveling as well because also when you change the environment you get new ideas so going on vacation and things of that nature, whether for pleasure or business, also puts you in a new environment. So your brain is like, oh, this is somewhere new. And then all of a sudden you'll get a many a time I've been on the road and got a new idea just because I was in a new environment. So the brain reacts to that new stimuli. This is why it's important. And you get to soak up other cultures and things of this nature. So these are the kind of things that actually allow you to a form new neurons interact with new cultures and appreciate what you have because i recently just came back with uh a trip to colombia with the fellas mm -hmm. and we usually pick one destination a year things of this nature and when you really see humble beginnings out there it really lets you know because we went to the favelas the the areas that you know are kind of like the hood of the area where houses are literally stacked on top of each other with mere rocks sheet rock things of this nature it really makes you appreciate and they're happy <laughs> they're absolutely happy they're not chasing a bag and things of this nature and literally they have one-fifth of what a person has literally some places the average person in colombia is making under 300 dollars a month wow they're happy but we're over here with all this luxury and all this other stuff and we're not appreciative and we're not prepared for if something happens to us to make sure that our kids don't end up in a bad situation as well so one of those things is is that always form new neurons always grow always be learning and and trust me your brain can't help but become a new you because those new neurons are going to form a new 
and stable mindset for you to just get more and more and more and then that's how you maintain the uh the level of your of your success thank you for that man and uh thank you for uh, being on this interview bro thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge on all of your experiences and um giving us a little bit of insight about like your family and your upbringing bro um as we get ready to get out of here if you could man um tell our listeners if they ever want to like to book you for a speaking engagement invite you for a podcast um do insurance business with you or anything else from that man um could you leave uh that information so we, we could uh, reach out to you yeah absolutely so i'm in the process of rehauling some of my uh presence online so the best way right now to get in touch with me is uh, through my email so my email is outstandinglife at yahoo.com so that's o-u-t-s-t-a-n-d-i-n-g life l-i-f-e at yahoo.com um they can reach out to me that way and depending on what it is that they want to inquire about we'll take it from there and uh other social media handles and things of that nature um they can reach me there first and then those other things i'm probably preparing to uh put up later on this year absolutely bro but like i said man uh thank you so much for being here man thank you for being a guest um you're always welcome to come back and share some more knowledge and some more uh game with us man like i said man you, you're like a walking um encyclopedia bro <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it man you're too kind man <laughs> thank you for having me man thank you man it's been a pleasure man uh until next time for Femi and for myself michael allison peace and we love you peace can't complain at all couple dollars in my pocket no income and go been working on my body getting healthier thank god for clarity